Fantastic. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever in the world you are. My name is Valerie Hope, and I am your host and your coach for Time to Come Alive. This program really, for me, is an opportunity to help someone get more conscious of him or herself, and I found that works for me too. Also, to connect with meaningful conversations with people and to connect people with one another, as well as just become more creative. The outcome is generally creating something special, something that's, that's worthy or something that's an expression of ourselves in the world. And today is no different. In just a moment, we'll have an opportunity to meet our special guest for today. Before we get started, just wanna encourage you, if you're watching this on live stream, to share this, you know, check in and share this with your, your community online. You might also invite people to join the conversation, especially those that you know are really passionate about what we're gonna talk about today, which is shaking up education and how to be a disruptor in your own life. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But I also want you to be mindful that as you're listening to the conversation, if you hear something or you have a question about something, you may type it into the chat. You might also uh, ask it out loud when we get to a point in the conversation. I'll ask for you to unmute yourself and to share whatever's on your mind, either an insight or a question that you might have for my guest today. As customary on this program, I love to prepare the listeners for how they're going to listen to our conversation. So we're just gonna take a moment to be mindful. In order for that to happen, I'd like for you to make sure that you're sitting, wherever you're sitting or standing, to get comfortable, to feel grounded. And because our subject today, it requires a little bit of movement, we're, I that into our into our session today as well so here's how we're going to do it I'd like for you to think about first of all something that maybe there's some tension in your body I want you to notice where that tension is it might be helpful for some of you to either close your eyes or just soften your gaze so that you can be aware of that tension and as you're finding where that tension is, I just want you to shake it out. So perhaps in your neck, just gently shake it out. Perhaps you find that tension in your shoulders. You can shake out your shoulders a little bit. Like a little Latin dance in here. Shake it. Take a few deep breaths as you're doing that. Spell that energy. Perhaps you feel tension in your arms. You're gonna shake your arms out. And as you're doing, continue to breathe. Wherever you find there's tightness, whether that's your legs, your torso, just gently shake it out. Part of it is noticing where the tension is. And the other part is just not getting attached to the tension, not holding on to the tension. Part of it's breathing your tension out, shaking it out, right? readjusting the muscles, readjusting the blood flow so that you get a little bit more relaxation. You want to really just allow your body to settle into itself without your muscles feeling like it's having to, they're having to constrain. And you might also think about your mind. Now, there are places in your mind that are tight, that there's some tension. Perhaps the subject might create a little bit of that for you. I'm just going to encourage you as you listen to our conversation today to shake it out as well. There's nothing to get attached to here. Whatever sits with you that, that really resonates, take it in. And if it doesn't, put it to the side. Not essential that you agree with anything that you hear today or that you take it on in any significant way. Right, so if there, notice some tension in your body or in your mind, shake it off. 
All right, take another couple deep cleansing breaths. All right, and then come back to us. Good. What is just start off um, by saying a few things about my guest before I have her formally introduce herself. I had the fortune of connecting serendipitously with Dr. Ai Zhang here because she had a former student, Maricela. So shout out to you, Maricela, if you're listening to this. And in our conversation with Maricela, I was talking to her a little bit about what I'm doing and the, and the business that I'm in, but also more importantly, you know, we're talking about learning and some of the things that she learned from a marketing professor that she had. I thought, oh my gosh, this person's pretty phenomenal. Well, she mentioned to me that this professor had her own program, you know, podcast, and she was online and like, you might want to connect with her, Valerie. And I thought, well, why not? So I ended up checking out <laughs> Dr. I. I actually ended up going to your, your LinkedIn page first. And I just read up a little bit on what you did. And I also saw that um, I sent you, I think I just sent you a message letting you know, hey, I met Maricela, former student. Member. He said that would be great to connect with you. And there you go. And I literally was just expecting a connection, like a LinkedIn connection. Click yes. And there you go. But then some things that you posted on your profile and I noticed that you did an interview with Seth Godin and I noticed some of the things that you talked about in disrupting education and I was like whoa and then I think your response you even said that you're trying to build a classroom without walls and I love learning my brand of learning is more experiential and I thought oh I need to definitely have a conversation with you <laughs> and then in our very brief conversation a few weeks ago I was just in love with your energy, your how effusive you were and your enthusiasm about doing something that so few people, I think, really, not only, I'm sure people question a lot, but don't seem to always do a lot about. And that's the education system, especially coming from someone that has been in academia for so long. So I just, first of all, I want to just say thank you so much. And then also I want to appreciate you for being open to having this conversation and sharing with us your journey. Oh, that is such a beautiful like introduction. Thank you so much for having me. And I have to say, I have grown so, so, so much since I had her as a student and uh, so much. I think the biggest difference is I really have embraced uh, what I do as a practitioner. I, I think that, you know, going back to education, I actually did a video, I think on Friday on LinkedIn, and I discussed and uh, why 50% of American colleges are going to go bankrupt in the next 10 to 15 years. First of all, that uh, prediction didn't come from me. It was a prediction, prediction made by a business school Harvard professor. So anyway, in my video, I discussed one of the, I think the reasons is we have so many educators who are just educators. I think, you know, if we are teaching social media, psychology, business, marketing, we also have to become practitioners. So I have definitely improved a lot since I had her as a student. So yeah. So but thank you. Yeah. Absolutely. One of the things that I also found real fascinating when you and I spoke was your journey to this part of your life. Now, Talk to us a little bit about where you're from and then also how that played a part in what you found a cause or purpose in today. 
Yeah, so originally I was born in China, and uh, but I left China in my early twenties to come to the United States to study, and uh, and uh, so the reason I'm so you know we're just talking about this earlier obsessed with changing uh, transforming education was really because what a horrible experience I had when I was a kid in China. I mean, I did pretty well in school, but I didn't enjoy learning. And learning was kind of um, like just uh, 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 just like memorization of facts and information, and it's really really stressful, extremely competitive, and uh, lots of exams, exams. And I remember the schools I attended. Like every time we had so many exams, so every time after a big exam was over, and uh, there's a big wall. Like a kind of like a window, and every single student's grade was displayed on that huge wall. I don't even know what it's called. It's just like huge, so you can literally see every single kid's grade. It was humiliating if you were not doing well. So I grew up in that type of environment, but coming to the U.S., I like I experienced a different kind of education, which rekindled my interest in learning. So that's kind kind of how I restarted on this journey, and then.、Um, Like the more I'm on this journey, I think, and the more I started to see, there are also similarities、uh, in terms of our educational system between the U.S. and China. And the last two years, we were in South Korea, and、uh, so I also saw similarities between the U.S. educational system, Chinese educational system, and、uh, South Korean educational system. And I started to really a few years ago. I started to share stories of my personal journey, education, and social media. And I started to discover people in different countries in the UK, in some European countries, in Brazil, and they all face similar issues. I was like, wow! So I, I think all those things inspired me to do something about this and to be the change that I wanted to see in the classroom. I love that. I, I especially want to call back a little bit to your childhood because I think one of the things that struck me is, especially here in the U.S., the Asian education seems to be the the, the yardstick, right, for the the commitment to education, the, the the competitiveness, like you said. And it's curious because your your experience was that 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 was not a positive environment for you.、But、no. I want to talk to us a little bit about your. Your family dynamic that made education such a focal point. Like, what was it like in your home as far as、yeah. in education? Yeah, I, I think that was the only thing we talked about. You know, we we're just talking about this earlier. I think nowadays, even in the U.S., a little bit, but definitely the case in my friends in Korea, China, Singapore, and、uh, learning is a very outcome-driven. So we don't really care, like parents or maybe even teachers. They don't really care about the journey of learning. But you and I, we we agree that learning is enjoyable, right? I love learning. It is such a fun journey. You feel like you are growing, and you are expanding who you are, and you are making improving your personal life and trying to bring changes to other people's life. It is such an enjoyable journey. But back then, when I was a kid. And nobody cared about the journey of learning. Like my parents only cared about the outcome. Like, what grade did you get? A or A plus? And、uh, are are you going to go to a good high school? You know, started with are you going to go to a good primary school, then elementary school, and high school, and then college. So it's just one after another. 
And the, the funny part was, I didn't really think much about this entire experience. I just knew I didn't really enjoy this, but everybody was in the similar boat. You know, we're, we are all in the same situation. So you don't really question that much about it when everybody's doing the same thing. You know, I was like, I just took it as my fate. I didn't really think about it. It is like, uh, you know, like in China, when I was a kid, we had one child policy. So when I came to the U.S. in my early 20s, one question that people ask me all the time was, how do you feel about being the one child? I'll say, you know what? I don't really know because nobody ever asked me this question. And I never asked myself this question, question because all of my friends, everybody was not only child. Mm. Uh, it's like fish in the water. You don't really ask, oh, what is water? Like the air we're breathing right now. What is this thing? How, how? You, can't, you have no frame of reference, right? Mm. So yeah, so that was kind of the educational system I was in. I, I suffered, I did well, I didn't really question. So the, the questioning part really started when I was uh, in the United States, I had a different frame of reference. So that's why I'm such an advocate of traveling and being outside of your comfort zone, going to an unfamiliar environment. My first personal transformation happened after I came to the United States. That was my personal transformation, trying to discover who I was, my authentic self. And my second, which is my professional transformation, happened after we came to Korea, like three years ago. That was the time when I started to realize how my professional identity was really a result of the influence of the higher educational environment in the United States. Like again, because I was in that environment, like all of my friends were professors, they did this, they did that. I didn't really question why I was doing something until I left that environment, being in Korea. That's when I really started my, my professional reinvention. You know, I launched my show, I became a speaker, all those, like I started, all those, like I launched my own company, all those things. So those were kind of two major transformations happened as a result of being outside of my comfort zone. So that's kind of a long answer to your question. Yeah. <laughs> well, fascinating because I, I do want to go back to a few things because we, you, you obviously entered higher education as a professor. So there was something that you bought into in education or that you wanted to accomplish by doing that. But before you got into that, I'm curious about this idea of you being a child, the only child having such a hyper-focus on education in your family, expecting your parents expecting A's, right? Really good grades. And you uncomfortable with the notion of this is the way the, the journey of education for you was very, like you said, it was painful, right? It was not. Mm -hmm. not what did you say to your parents or how did you express that discomfort or that pain at the time? Do you remember? Yeah, I think we, we didn't really talk much. And also like China, at least I, when I was a kid, it's uh, like people don't express emotions that much. It's very different from, from the United States. Here people even like, you know, our nonverbal language, very expressive. You know, we use our hands, we use our eyes, facial movement, all those things to express our feelings and emotions. But China and even like, Korea and Japan, those three countries I have personally visited, so I can really speak on their behalf. And people don't talk or share their emotions a lot. Like, 
like my parents, for example, they love me, but they never told me they love me. Like, like in in their own language, no, never. And uh, we don't really hug each other, and uh, like hugging or kissing and all those things, we, we don't. It's just very, very different. Very, I don't know. It's just a different way of expressing like support emotions. So we don't really talk about much, you know, like. I just listen. Whatever my parents told me, I listen. I told them I don't like this, but what can I do? I just like I don't think. I don't think I feel like I can like I'm. I was comfortable talking back to my parents. I tried, but always got yelled at. So I just like you know. I just took it. This is my fate. So we don't really talk about this, and I don't think my parents and I we have my my dad and I we have. Pretty good relationship, but because my dad is very like soft, but my mom she's like tiger mother, so I, I don't think yeah oh exactly so I don't think we have the best relationship. But over the years, I think you know because I am where I am today, so our relationship has become better. But when I was a kid, I don't think we had the best relationship. But again, because every single family was the same, because、yeah. we knew that my parents. And the, the the children were not supposed to be friends, and I just need to listen to my parents, follow their orders, and do what they told me to do. Even though we didn't have the best relationship, but that was not a, a question that we actually discussed. We talk about it. Nobody cared. The the only thing was、really, uh, education. But I guess it it yeah, I guess it worked to a great extent. You know, I I I came to the United States. I got my PhD. I think. I think this journey to pursue education was definitely a strong influence of being in China, and、mm-hmm. even nowadays, and many of my friends in China or in Korea, Singapore, like if you hear like parents, the only thing and、uh, they talk a lot is really education. Like, how can we invest in our your children, our children's education? What are the best schools? What has some educational programs? This and that. I don't know if I share this with you. I recently discovered last year because I was preparing for a talk. So、mm-hmm. I discovered there were like three-year-old CEO classes in China, which is CEO classes. Yeah, which is like、oh. ex- like extreme, right? But but it shows. <laughs> Those programs are a reflection of parents' their desire to, you know, invest. They just don't know what else to do. Like money is not a concern. They just like give us more, give us more. Yeah. So three-year-old、yeah. CEO class, like leadership class, and all sorts of, like golf. Children playing how to,、uh, learning how to ride horses, how to play golf at like three years old. Yes.、Yeah. <laughs> English language classes, like just like. You name it, yeah. There's no. That's phenomenal. I mean, I'm, I'm all for for good education, especially that that will enhance and right expand someone's knowledge and experience. I'm curious though, and I love that you you really talked about, and I can hear how much you honor your family, right? By you tried, you tried to express some dissatisfaction. They weren't hearing it, so you're like, okay, let me just respect the process. So much so that you know you got your PhD. But I but I want to point something out in. In that dissatisfaction, because I imagine that there are other young people, you know, we're about to start school in the U.S. within a few days or weeks, in some cases, and there are individuals, young people, someone out there is not satisfied with the education system or the emphasis of education that their family might have. So I'm curious, what was your performance like in school, like knowing that this wasn't really how you enjoyed learning? What was what was not only your performance with your academics, but Your interaction with your professors or your classmates—how did that 
the satisfaction impact? Yeah, it's such a great question. I think again, I I'm not sure about the situation now. Back then, there was no social media, right? So the only interaction I had was with my friends in my immediate environment. The school I attended, I went to pretty good schools, and uh, and uh, like I think everyone, we were just like. We just kind of suffered together, but I have to share with you because it is so competitive. So by the end of high school, I don't think I had any true friends because we treated each other as you know I'm competing with this person, which was the message our teachers told us. Like seriously, China is a huge country, right? It's huge.、Mm-hmm. We have so many people, and there were only like five spots, for example. Only five good universities. You 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 literally had to almost like kill each other to get into that spot. So I remember like、uh, middle school and high school, and、uh, we were just lying to each other. Or, or did you study last night? Oh, I didn't. Did you know the answer to this question? I didn't. In fact, when everybody studied at night until midnight or past midnight, but we just didn't want to share because we were so afraid. We don't want our peers to be ahead of us because you know the message we were told was there were only five spots. So I think that was kind of really distorted environment, and、uh, and we were not as those like you know pure, naive, innocent children. No, no, we became way more sophisticated than we should be at our age. And、uh, so my best memories with、uh, my friends were actually very young age, and、uh, like everyone's just like ah、oh, really playful. But you know, as situations have become、uh, more and more competitive, I think we were very detached from our authentic self, from our our heart. And when I first came to the U.S., I was like a robot. I I I couldn't even like cry. I had no tears. Like I couldn't even cry, and、uh, like nothing could really touch me that hard, that much to make me cry. You see, that's how much I was. My my emotions were killed by this entire like educational system and this super competitive environment. And、uh, so one of my friends shared uh, uh, like a TED talk with me, which was、uh, super chicken. So what that talk was about was like.、Um, A group of scientists. They have two groups of chicken. So one group of chicken is the average chicken. The other one is the super chicken. They perform really well. So they separated them to see how their、uh, productivity、uh, productivity changes over time, and to lay more eggs or fewer eggs, how they are changing. So it is very interesting. So the super chicken group, and they ended up like killing each other, attacking each other. Only three survived, but the average one. They all outperformed、uh, where they were when they started、uh, the experiment, and they they became happier, more productive, and their reprodu- reproduction rate actually improved. So I think you know, in terms of my educational environment, it's definitely a super chicken environment. So we didn't really kill each other, of course, attacking each other, but we definitely lost touch with who we were as children at a young age. Our authentic human nature. I do believe, as humans, we we are compassionate. You know, we want to、uh, feel good about who we are. We want others to feel good.、Oh, we have definitely lost touch with that. So it was a journey. I share with you. It's a journey. When I first came to the U.S., it was a journey to rediscover who I was, 
to activate my emotions, to learn how to cry, to learn how to be a human being, to learn how to feel so sorry for others. You know, when I heard something that is so sad, I actually felt like my heart actually felt sad, you know, like, and now I can cry easily. I think because I'm like, you know, I'm alive. You know, your show is becoming mm. alive. I'm alive. This is like me. But there, I had to do the work to become alive again. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that work. So, so you mentioned that you came here at age 20 and you noticed, which is, I think is really interesting in and of itself, you noticed that you had the emotional range that maybe others in your surrounding had. Yeah, it's a quick story. I think we were watching a movie in the class and all of my, my classmates, they were crying. And then I even remember one of my, uh, my classmates, she asked me, I, this is so sad. Why are you now crying? I was like, really? I, I tried. I can't. But did you feel sadness or what exactly was happening? Do you remember? I, it's a very superficial feeling. I, I think now like, I'm very in touch with my emotions. Now yeah. when I feel sad or happy or excited, the feeling comes from my heart. Like mm. I can feel it. But I think at the time it was very superficial. You know, oh yeah, I'm, I'm sad. But I can move on quickly to other things. I won't be <laughs> very emotionally affected by this situation. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think just, I, I so appreciate you sharing that. This is wonderful. We had a show a few uh, weeks ago about being vulnerable, especially in the workplace. And I remember even for myself, I grew up with three brothers. I'm, I'm the middle child. You know, I have an older brother and then two younger brothers who are twins. And my dad was in the military. My mom was a school teacher for many years. And for us, crying was not really a mode of expression that was, I, I, my experience of it was not acceptable. It's almost like if I cried, I lost. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm not competing. If, if I ended up in tears for some reason, it's like I lost. Somehow yeah. there's a loss of, st of status. There's a loss of, a loss of control. There's some kind of loss. So that's how I equated it for many years. And it really, like you said, that, that slow coming alive, that awakening. So I want to ask what was the awakening moment? Like you started to notice that that was a different level of expression, but when did it become something that you wanted to transform or that began to transform? So I think it's just like, uh, I think everything happens slowly, you know, like when I was in China, again, I was very quiet and I didn't really talk much. And then like even that, like, you know, coming to the U.S., first off, for, for survival reasons, I was taking communication classes and all of my classmates, everybody's like, blah, 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 blah. I, like, even though I did the reading, I had nothing else to talk about. They, they didn't do the reading. They were like, blah, blah. I was like, wow, that's amazing. I still remember one of my teachers asked me, said, hi, were you, were you okay? Were you following us? You never talk in class. <laughs> and I, I actually understood everything. I, I just didn't know how to express myself because that ability was shut down from a very early age, right? Mm -hmm. I never learned to express for myself. So that part is a relearning part, you know, and, uh, and uh, learn to first survive uh, like in my classes to actually say something so that my teachers don't think I was a stupid person, didn't understand what was going on. And then like as I learned to open up, I was like, wow, I really enjoy this. So I think it's really, it's not like, okay, I'm going to discover who I was. It's really like maybe kind of reactive to begin with, to reacting to my 
external environment being so radically different. I, I first went to Syracuse for my master degree, and Syracuse, I was uh, I came from Beijing, which is big city. Syracuse like so small, like there were just so many things I was not used to. So out of that, I survival like I you know also being the only child, I never left. China. I never left my parents. I was at young age back then. There was no inter- like. I don't think I had internet anyway. So I didn't even know what was going on in the U.S. It was very different. It's very different from my understanding or my perception of the United States based on you know the few movies I watch. Sex and City, American Pie, all those like crazy movies. Oh my goodness! Really? Those? I know. I know. I know. That's when they came to China. So I said, "Wow, this is so different." So. Because of that, I, I think just to survive, and uh, I, I really got homesick, and my parents, and uh, I had to change. But the more I, I kind of forced myself to change, I said, "Wow, this is actually who I am." So I think that was kind of uh, incrementally, slowly, I was forced to discover and peel the layers of onion, you know, and then eventually be more like, yeah. But I think that was that that was the beginning of the journey, and I think. The, uh, three years ago, when we came to Korea, that was kind of another major transformation, like to maybe kind of to finish the journey, so to speak, of this self-transformation. So I started my journey. I kind of get to know myself a little bit more, and I definitely became a lot more alive, a lot more authentic. But then, you know, higher education, there are also certain rules and expectations of what you need to do. What you need to say and、uh, how to succeed in this path. So I think that expectation kind of like stopped my my journey to fully become alive again. But I, I started、mm-hmm. the journey started. So I think the full journey started a few years ago when I came to Korea when I was in a completely different environment again. I see if. When I think was almost like when I first came to the United States in Korea, I didn't have any friend. I didn't know anyone. I was like so free, so free. Like nobody knew who I was. That was the、yeah. best part. It was very interesting、uh, in retrospect to think about how you and I, all of us, we are a product of our social construction, right?、Mm-hmm. If you whatever industry you are working within, there are so. Social rules, norms. You have to play the game. You have to follow the rules. You have to play the game. But in a different country, like nobody cared. Like there was no rules. I make my own rules. That was so liberating for me to realize、yeah. that how my identity, my professional aspirations, were actually being influenced by what people are supposed to do in higher education. And realizing that was such a breakthrough. It was also a breakdown. I was like, "Wow, I'm breaking away from my only identity, which was being a college professor." It was challenging. It was like I'm losing who I was. But at the same time, this breakdown leads to a breakthrough. I think I can probably. It is probably safe to say that I kind of completed my full personal and professional transformation, and、uh, while I was in Korea, and.、Wow. Like I, I have a feeling. I mean, I, I have a feeling there's still so much more. Not to, I don't know what the transformation. We never know what the transformation. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think. Like, you mentioned that journey. Like a new I, chapter, like starting. Yeah. Another, this new chapter, like the the I you see now, is me. It's hundred percent me, and I can tell you, it takes no energy for me to to be 
me right now versus the me like inside my heart. It is like uh, the same. So I think in terms of that, that journey kind of completed. Now there's yes. no gap. The gap is closed. Closed. Oh, closed. I love this. Okay, but I, but I want to, because I want the listeners to kind of hear a little bit about that journey that maybe um, gloss over a little bit. So tell us about, you have obviously your master's degree. You went to Syracuse for your master's. You study, what was your subject? Uh, communication, PR, public okay. relations. Got it. Oh, just like me, but I don't have a master's. I did PR too. So then from there, you went and got a PhD where? Uh, uh, Maryland, University of Maryland, College Park. Got it. And also in communication? Yes, PR, yeah. All right, fantastic. But then, now I just want to paint this picture. You, a young child, already kind of in, internally rebelling against the educational system and the pressure and the competition in that environment, the traditional model of education, come to the U.S., you start to notice some things about the environment there, you start to notice some things about yourself and your reaction to it, you start to break through that shell, but then you go right back into the educational system. Yeah. <laughs> so See, what I, that I took think, you into yeah. not only through that education, but also to become a professor? I think, you know, I think the true reason I didn't, it was really because I didn't have the courage to honor my inner voice. And, uh, and uh, because nobody was doing, because most of my friends who finished the master's degree went on to PhD. And I was trying to be different. I was trying to do something else, but I didn't have the courage to fully honor myself, my inner voice. I was like, uh, maybe that was like, it's not going to work, right? I followed the mainstream. I followed the mass. And, uh, but like, I have to say, because of that, there was something inside me telling me this was like, something was not right. Even though I was pursuing my PhD, I noticed, you know, I was being labeled as the happiest kid in our PhD program. I was like, compared to others, I was happy, but deep inside me, I was like, I don't feel really happy. So I think that was the time I was doing my PhD. Uh, when I started working on my, my dissertation, I really felt like kind of stuck again. You know, I was doing this, but didn't bring me the joy that I was searching for. So I really started a spiritual search. I started like yoga classes. My yoga class teacher introduced me to meditation. So I started meditation. And uh, yeah, like I discovered a bunch of, like I actually discovered the law of attraction and the secret movie uh, in 2008 when I was working on my dissertation. And uh, I had to say those things really helped me to kind of complete this journey, even though I wasn't fully enjoying this, but I was happy enough, I guess, to finish this, to keep going. Uh, like that was one thing. And also I think the deeper reason was I wasn't brave enough, you know, it's, yeah. It, yeah, exactly. To, to really, to really honor myself. Yeah. Isn't that, isn't that interesting though, that, that, that economy, that in order to experience joy and, you know, you equate joy to, to expression, to movement, to right, some outward manifestation, the, the way, the way to joy was through stillness. Yeah. Yeah. Yoga. To oh, to totally. I, I think, you know, in life, we truly have to master who we are. Unless we master ourselves, we cannot master life. All the answers that we're searching without, the answers start within. Like I share with you, all of my transformations happen as a result of going with, you know, 
first came to the U.S., I started to who I am, what, what was like started to search within and going to Korea also again started to search within what did I want for my perfect professional career so it all started with it and the, i just posted this on on instagram and my different social media channels over the weekend i i i truly believe the journey from here to there is is us it is uh-huh. us and uh like we can all follow the same principles the same roadmaps you know take classes from the same teacher, but we all have different results, right? So I, the differentiation factor in our business is us. And so I discovered the more I work on myself, you know, investing in like getting to know me at a spiritual level and investing in my own learning, the more my business grows. And this, this inner journey, you know, we have to transform the inside if we want to transform the outside. I think that is a big missing piece in, in, in many people's uh, pursuit of success, so to speak. I have goosebumps, which is always a good sign. <laughs> That's my sign for inspiration. That's my sign for I, that I couldn't have said it better myself. That's, that was just phenomenal. And, you know, and even going back to education, and uh, I think this journey to go within is really missing in our educational system. And that's why we have so many students who just feel so depressed, who feel so lost. They, I don't see a spark in their eyes. They, I don't see, you know, we're talking about that obsession. What are you really obsessed? But I think to get to that level, you have to know who you are. You have to really, really understand. I discovered my calling is education. If we talk about this, I could talk about this forever. You know, like I'm literally passionate because this is my zone of genius, so to speak. Uh, of us we have a zone of genius but so many of us we don't do the work to discover that we just think i need to do this because you know my teacher told me i'm good at this or my mom my dad my society everybody else told me i should do this but how about you we don't really ask that question and some of us did ask that question in my case but in my earlier age younger age i didn't have the the courage to honor my inner voice so you know i think the beauty of in this day and age with social media podcast and you can hear my story so i think for me it's like when i started to listen to other people's stories who really honored inner voice i was like wow you know if other people can do it i can do it and uh, so you really know need nobody's permission to start this inner journey and work on yourself and go within and i think once you really discover that inner zone of genius, your authentic self, if you can somehow align your professional aspiration with that inner authentic self, every day you will be as crazy as me. Seriously, (laughs) nothing can stop you. Nothing can stop you. There are so many things I don't know, but because of this alignment, because of this inner drive, I'm willing to figure it out. Uh-huh. Like I shared with you yesterday, my husband's here. I, I, I literally cried. I was like, you know, I'm launching a two-week uh, immersion program in Singapore and to, to really cultivate the students' entrepreneurship. I was like, I'm, I'm not going to have any students. I felt so stressed out. Like what to do? And there are going to be emotions like that. You know, entrepreneur is like roller coaster. It's not flat. Mm-hmm. But that drive, that alignment, you know, because I know this is my calling. Like this morning, I wake up, everything's fine. I can keep going. 
But if you are only doing this because you, your parents told you, or you think this this career is going to give you money or influence or fame, whatever, you are not. It's going to be a lot harder to overcome. Mm-hmm. Hurdles like that. When you are doubting yourself, you're like, "Oh my God, I feel like I'm going to give up, or this is too hard. I can't figure this out." No. So, but like that drive has to come internally, not externally. Externally, you will feel tired. You don't feel as motivated as、yeah. when the drive is coming from internally. That intrinsic motivation. You said something in our very first conversation that I I remember. Really struck a chord for me. You mentioned that, that inner zone of genius, right? To find that zone of genius, and you said it's so important to make sure that inner zone of genius is in the driver's seat of our lives, not in the trunk. And that's what exactly. I. Just that's what I said. I don't even remember. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. that is in the driver's seat. So it sounds like what you're saying is that that inner motivation, that inner that inspiration that we get, is what should really drive our behavior, our actions, how we exactly. Express. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's how I think about many entrepreneurs who started their own company. They are so obsessed with a problem, and they、mm. want to solve that problem, even though they don't know so many things. But because they have that drive to figure that thing out, to really solve、mm. that problem, they are willing to figure so many things out, or hire others, or just work on this. Yeah, so I think that's kind of my situation right now. I'm I'm literally really obsessed with this situation. I want to build my own school. I want to see how my school can make a difference in the education space. Yeah, I'm obsessed with that, and I'm waiting to figure out so many small pieces, and、uh, just like so many smaller things. I'm I'm willing to do that. Yeah. So talk to us a little bit about what is this disruption in education that you like to see? What would it look like? What would the experience be for the student? And also for the educator. Yeah, so I I think you know I worked in higher education for for ten plus years. I think there are so many. I think education is very important, and I think there is also、uh, there is space for people who who choose to go through the traditional education. But I think in this day and age, formal education is not. The prerequisite for anyone's happiness and success. There are so many different options. So my kind of mission for building my own classroom without walls is to make formal formal education optional, and to give people a different route to pursue education, to be happy, to be successful. So, like、uh, in our traditional educational environment. So many elements, such as emotional intelligence, emotional well-being, digital literacy, digital storytelling, personal branding, financial literacy, and soft skills, and even meditation—all those things I think are so, so, so important, but are not being prioritized in our traditional educational system. And I also discovered I can have a much stronger ripple effect. Being outside of the system than being inside the system because the institution is so strong. As I'm trying to change them, they are trying to change me, and so that's how I decided to resign from my job to build my own school. So the first program is going to be a two-week immersion program in Singapore to cultivate 
uh, students' entrepreneurship. So I have, it is almost like an edutainment event. So I have speakers, it's like a conference, there will be learning at the same time. There will also be sightseeing, traveling, and visiting local entrepreneurs, startup companies. I love Singapore. It is like a mini San Francisco. <laughs> and uh, so I'm going to invite speakers from a few different countries to talk about uh, uh, digital literacy, personal branding. I also have digital mentors for people who don't want to travel, but they have something really important to share, like financial literacy. Yeah, so that's kind of uh, like my first uh, signature program. I'm really excited, yeah, to, to What's launch. What's the age group that you're, for, that you're focusing on? For high school and college students, yeah. Okay, all right. Because yeah, I, I some adults out there <laughs> who've already finished their education, and I'm like, ooh, Singapore sounds awesome. Yeah, and I, I also want to, like, if families, they want to take join this program, so they can also join as a family, which may, will make it be cheaper because they can stay in the same room. Yeah, and eventually, and maybe even young professionals and, uh, and whoever can benefit or want to uh, embark on this journey to become an entrepreneur but don't know how to get started, where to get started, they have an idea. So this program is to really train them to think like an entrepreneur, to have the necessary skills to get started. And I, why do you think that that's so important for, for students to learn these days? Like you have a very specific curriculum, like you mentioned, everything from emotional intelligence to financial literacy and everything in between. What is it about those particular items or subject matters that you feel are so important? Yeah, such a great uh, question because I think our, you know, education space, our career, the, the future of a job is so different from how, you know, when I was pursuing my career, everyone was trying to go to a, like a school in my case or go to find a nine to five job. But I think situation has changed now like i'm embracing the gig economy and uh, having multiple stream of income i think that's going to be the future you know more and more schools are going to hire like part-time teachers and companies they are going to hire part-time consultants you have you have this set of uh, expertise why don't you come here to help us solve this problem so i don't have to worry about like oh, like insurance all those things once you finish and uh, we, we are embarking on a new project i can bring in new people so i think that's the future that's the future and uh, also students Instead of learning facts and information, which they can easily learn from Google, from YouTube, and there are so many, like, you know, Forbes have their own online school and Khan Academy, online open courses, and, uh, you know, many social media agencies, they have their own online certifications, immersion programs. I think that is the future of education, right? Like, people are getting all those certifications from different places, and students need to embrace that. And uh, they also need to, to, like, besides learning facts and information, to really master the cycle of knowledge, you know, to learn, unlearn, and relearn. Like, if you think about our personal journey, it is also a journey to deconstruct who we are and reconstruct who we are. Learning is the same because the information they learn at school is going to be misinformation by the time they graduate because things change so fast. So I really want students to really embrace this entrepreneurial mindset, to think like an entrepreneur, to have the courage to figure things out, right? So those are important skills to me other than facts and information and to really master 
this cycle of knowledge. And the reason I wanted to do this in Singapore was really because one thing is Singapore, they have lots of entrepreneurs, startup companies. That is definitely the reason. And the second, which is a more important reason, is to really force our students to be in an unfamiliar environment, to be outside of their comfort zone. Because as I share with you, when you are outside of your comfort zone, you discover who you are. You embark on this inner journey. And in fact, I actually did lots of research in this area, and I write so many articles published on different, you know, Forbes magazine, Entrepreneur Inc. magazine, and all those people, they were citing studies which have proved when students they are traveling or studying abroad, being outside of their comfort zone, they are more likely to become an entrepreneur, to start their own company. And even if they are not thinking about starting their own company, they are a lot more original and creative and you know, resilient. So all those, I think, are much, much more important than learning you know, specific tactics, facts, and information. I, I couldn't agree more. You know, I think in my own family of origin, we spent a lot of time challenging traditional education. My father was in the military, so we, you know, we immigrated from Panama originally in Latin America, we moved to the U.S., had a lot of different experiences. And I think what I came down to, the, the level of experiences that we had made such an impact in who we became as human beings because it wasn't just exposure. It wasn't just like we saw this and we saw that when you travel. When you, when you have to learn a new language, you know, in our case, we had to learn a new language. We had to learn new games. We had to learn new read foods to eat. There are so music to listen to. There are so many things that we had to experience that transformed who we became that made a huge impact. And then even on my own, after I graduated from college, I went to uh, work for an organization called Up With People, International Leadership Program. And then the five years I worked for the organization, lived with 400 host families, got an opportunity to, to perform, to do community service in so many places. So what you just said about having that, 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 that outside experience, that outside of the comfort zone, there's so much growth to be had. There's so much aliveness. And you're right. I did identify more of who I was. The, the contrast, we need contrast. Frame of reference, exactly. Like what we discussed earlier, being yeah. only child, I didn't understand what it meant until I came to the U.S. I said, wow, you guys have so many kids in the family. So that <laughs> gave me yeah, a different frame of reference. I started to question, oh, okay. So what I went through was actually not normal, or not normal, not the only way, yeah. The only way, exactly. So first of all, so I'm curious, I have a lot of educators in my family. Two of my brothers are, are high school. Well, one is a high school teacher. The other one is going into elementary school teaching. My mother was a former elementary school teacher and also doing some substitute teaching. That's amazing, yeah. <laughs> I educate professionals, right, in leadership development. So I'm curious about, for let's talk about educators for a moment. You have your own personal transformation that led to this journey you're on. There are so many people in North America that are going to embark in a new school year. What message would you say is important for them to know as they're going into A lot, a lot. (laughs) So I think the first is, and uh, I think we have come to a day and age, teachers, they need to build their personal brands, seriously. And I shared with you at the beginning uh, of our uh, interview, I read this article, which was a prediction made by business school, Harvard 
uh, at Harvard University. He a business school professor. So he predicted fifty percent of American colleges are going bankrupt in the next ten to twelve years. That is a high number. So can you think about all those schools going bankrupt? How about the teachers? What are they going to do, right? So I believe. Every single person, regardless of you are working in the education industry or in other different industries, we always need to invest in our personal brand, and we need to have a personal brand because I think this stable job or job security, this nine to five, you can work at this place until you die. I, I mean, like I think that age is almost over, and、yeah. uh, like disruptions are happening constantly. So you always have to be prepared. What's next for me? What if this is now going to last as long as I plan? What should I do? Really embracing this, you know. Start social media is is free. It's so powerful. Connecting people, collapsing time and space to share your story. You need nobody's permission to share your story. You need nobody's permission to build an online brand. If you if you can just like get started. And show up consistently, and I promise you that you will build a community. And if you、uh, keep offering quality content, and you are going to grow, and you will start to be able to monetize this online presence, it is so amazing. And I think teachers need to be prepared for some radical changes. I think、yeah. in the next、uh, two or three decades, in terms. Of our education space, and、uh, so I, I think you, they need to invest, start to invest in building their personal brand. So that、Perfect. is. I like what you're talking about in the in the future for them to really start thinking ahead to where this this passion for education could be rerouted. Exactly. When you were in the classroom, what were some things? Just to give them a little bit of practical sense, what were some things that you did to to build your brand? When you were in the classroom, that a teacher might be made able to do. Yeah, so actually, that's my second point. I think you know, for teachers, whatever you teach, I truly believe if we want to prepare our children for the future, teachers we have to become practitioners, because information is being updated constantly. We cannot teach by the book, which is what I used to do, teaching by the book. But you know, like. By the time a book is published, everything's already outdated. So the only way for a teacher, for a teacher to be able to teach students cutting edge trends, strategies, tactics, whatever subject matter that we teach, is to be really immersed in the industry. So I wish you know, like more school leaders, really believe in this, so that they can offer more support to our teachers to to maybe reduce. Their workload in certain aspects, and to give them the the room, the space, the resources that they need to develop themselves professionally. And I I think unless we change that, there are going to be more and more alternative schools to to threaten the traditional education space because we have way too many educators who are just teachers, and because of that, we are doing a disservice to our students. And as a result of that, students are not going to find jobs, and because of that, and more and more students are going to pursue alternative education. So I don't, but I don't think this is teachers' fault because I am a teacher myself. We are bombarded with so many things, and paperwork, this and that. I think you know, is the change has to start from the top. 
that we we have to have a buy-in from school leaders, admins to really start to understand how everything is being disrupted and being radically changed and challenged. So they need to see in the future, even for school, to keep having students. Their teachers somehow need to have a personal brand. So if my children are going to take a social media class. We are going to Google this teacher. Is this teacher actually a practitioner? If not, why do I want to send my kid to the school to learn from this teacher who has never run a social media campaign, has has never like uh, like run his or her business before to learn social media marketing? It's not going to happen. I can send my kid to maybe you know like there are so many social media agencies. I know they have their own programs, much much cheaper. At the same time, students are learning from. Professionals who have a strong brand, I can go to their LinkedIn, check them out. They are doing this. They are doing. They they have the social proof to back up their degree, so to speak. So I think schools they need to understand that they need teachers to be able to back up, other than having a terminal degree, but they need their professional experience to back up their academic degrees. But I think that is a big missing link. Yeah, I don't know when this will happen, but I think. As more people like me building our schools, there are literally thousands of alternative schools I discovered. So all those people, we are joining forces to threaten. Maybe it's not a good word, but to really force the traditional educational system to change. Ooh, man! I can feel the the flames. <laughs> I can feel the sparks flying. Okay, so this, so that's the message for the teacher: build your personal brand. Go out there and become a practitioner of what of your passion. You know, I think there's so many teachers that go into education because of the passion they have for their children, or the passion they have for the subject matter. But become a practitioner. Find a way to practice what you preach. Love, love, love. Okay, now let's talk about students a little bit. You have little ones yourself. How old are your kids? Ah,、uh, five and eight. Five and eight. So they're school age now, just like you. There was probably a moment in time, right? Although you had a very specific educational system in your background, that there was something that in you started to notice that you wanted to be a different type of learner, a different type of learning environment. What advice do you give students? Like, what would you want your kids to do in the classroom if they don't have the kind of environment that you just talked about? Teachers create. Yeah, yeah. So I, I definitely think you know. Like education, I who said?、Uh, I think Mark Twain said that,、uh, "Don't let education interfere with learning." And I think, uh, uh, like so many parents, they just completely outsource education to the school, and they think, "Oh, teachers, they are going to take care of everything." Or when they talk to their children, like listen to the teacher. Like I don't think that's the case. You know, I'm a teacher. I'm a human. I make mistakes. And like especially. Uh, during the early stage of my teaching career, I I frequently pretended I knew this. I was like I actually didn't know, but I was afraid to say no or say, "Oh, I know what, guys. I actually don't know this."、Mm. And、uh, so don't just listen to the teachers. Do your homework and don't completely outsource education. You your own children, right? You need to invest in their education and actually understand what is going on. And、uh, another, I think,、uh, piece of advice I have for parents is, as so many parents, they are so afraid of technology. And they either like just give their kids iPad, all those like you whatever you do, or they just ban everything. Don't even touch this thing. And、uh, but I think those are not good approaches. And I think 
you know, technology, which is what I'm trying to show my own children, especially my older one. Like, you know, you can use this to play games for sure, right? They love games. But look, you can also use this to do so much more than playing computer games, than posting selfies, this and that. You can actually use this as a learning, career building, networking, like having conversations like this. But I, I think parents, we need to show our kids and to, or like let them have conversations with other teachers to show them the potential. Don't just like either ban this or just have their own children completely take control of, you know, how many hours, like, oh, you can play this iPad for 10, for two hours, for example. But I think you need to go further than that. Like, what are you going to do with this 10, two hours? Are you just going to watch like cartoons or playing games? Be a little more uh, invested, invested and uh, try to educate yourself and show your children. Like, this is an amazing tool that you can actually build uh, uh, to use to share stories, maybe even change other people's lives. I just came back from a VidCon conference in San Francisco last month, and uh, I saw so many young children, like 10, 10 years old, 12 years old, having their own YouTube channel to talk about meaningful changes, to inspire next generation, whatever they are doing. It is so encouraging to see those young content creators are actually using technology to share their stories, to try to make humanity a better place and bring humanity together. I think that is another way to educate our kids to really become digitally literate, you know, to help them uh, to train their digital literacy beyond playing, using this to play games. Oh my goodness. I mean, we could talk all day long. Like you're right. This, this subject of education, I can see everything that you just shared also applies to the workforce, you know, applies to professionals and how we as professionals build our personal brand, how we become practitioners, right? How we serve the public with the products or services that we sell. Oh, there's so much I think wrapped up in there. Um, I want to make sure that before, as we're wrapping up here, that you share with people how they can follow you. And you obviously are writing, you're obviously talking about the subject, and there's so many things that, that you're doing that could help activate this. Where could they find you? I'll make sure I put the link as well in the notes. Yeah, so my social media handle is the same across different social media platforms. It's my name, A-I-A-D-D-Y-S-O-N. Z-H-A-N-G, on Twitter, on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on Instagram, I'm everywhere. And please join my weekly live streaming show on every Wednesday at uh, 5 p.m. Eastern time, 4 p.m. Central time, and 2 p.m. Pacific time. And we discuss, I interview leading social media digital marketers to talk about social media and digital marketing and entrepreneurship. So it is... uh, it is an online classroom almost like yeah but in this classroom we're both teachers and students yes uh, i think in life we're both teachers and students amen yes yes it's exactly what we sometimes need to learn most i i'm so honored dr i <laughs> so honored that you took some time out this morning to be with us and share your passion for education share and help us see your zone of genius oh thank you so much for having me yeah, encouraging us to find our own zone. And, and I think you know, if a 10-year-old can start personal branding and really get clear on who they are, imagine the impact that they can have on this planet. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Oh, 
So I, I love everything that you're doing. I really do. I just want to appreciate that so much. Um, and then for the rest of you that are listening, please share this conversation with family and friends. This is the kind of thing that really helps bring life to education. I love what you said that, that quote by Mark Twain, don't let education get in the way of learning. But part of it is don't let us you know, take over this whole idea of going back to school with the same old, same old. Like bring a different level of awareness to your family about what you're really trying to learn. What is this experience of education supposed to bring to your life, to your family, to your community, to your society? Mm-hmm. There's so much there. Um, so thank you again, Dr. I, for bringing that and making that present to us. Next week, everyone on our program, Time to Come Alive, we're going to have another guest on August 13th. Um, we're going to talk a bit about a sobering topic, actually. That's Risa Snyder, who's also has a podcast, a fellow podcaster like you and I, I, and she's an influencer. She's ready to really start to reveal a little bit more about how she came out of some of her emotional darkness and the impact that emotional darkness had on her life. And at this stage in the game, what she's doing about it. So really excited to have her on the show as well. Oh, so oh, it's such an exciting roller coaster today in and of itself. Thank you all so much for joining us. Appreciate you. Find ways to come alive and shake things up in your life. Have a wonderful, wonderful day, wonderful evening, wonderful morning, everyone. Bye.